morning, his church being formed. This is the second part of it. We started on it last week. <clears throat> so we're going to start in Genesis this morning. Before we get there, I have up here on the board, Jesus is building his church. All right? We know that. Not man. Christ is on earth. So as it is in heaven is very important because that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 in the Lord's Prayer, we call it, when he said, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very important to understand the grammar of that. Heaven came first. Everything came out of that where God is seated in heaven and his message was coming to the earth through his church. So his church has to understand faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. All right. So when you don't understand the word properly because of all this confusion, supposedly, seemingly, in the, and people read different versions and all that, and all that's fine, but we need to know what does the word come from? What is his word message to us? So his church is supposed to get his message, all right? I was just talking to Sarah, and y'all all know this because I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. There's that theology right now in a local church that is the, the theology of a woman's period. So can you believe that? And what they're teaching is that every time a woman goes through her menstrual cycle, she's being cleansed by the blood. And I'm like, what happens whenever she doesn't have those no more? What happens when she's pregnant? And doesn't, you know, well, then you have to wait. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you got to be kidding. So his church needs to get the accurate message. That's the only reason I say that. So on earth, there's a message that comes from heaven. As it is in heaven, God's message is, I want my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not kind of like, not sort of like, not expressed in man's terminology, whatever. We need to understand what God is saying, and that's the whole point. So we're looking at words that came from heaven, all right? And, you know, I mean, uh, my particular gift, I can translate and, and read and write the language, all that, but that gives me no upper hand on anybody it's just a gift and anybody can have it if they want to develop it and if that the calling God has for them so I go down to Ephesians 4 11 and 4 through 14 we'll get to that in a minute but they're gifts and callings they're not our gifts they're his there's something he chooses a person on earth who is diligently studying to show themselves approved and they want to they be used in the heavenly structure, then he'll give, and he gave some apostles, some pastors, some evangelists, some prophets, some apostles, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. The word some is before each one of those, for in the grammar of Greek, it's an emphatic thing. It's something to emphasize a point. So he didn't give that to everybody. He gave some. So I can't choose what some I am, what, what part of it I can flow into. And they're all anointed, and he chooses that person with a gift that's his gift to come from him on earth, from heaven onto earth, and then you have to be called into that. Now, that's why we get so many erroneous structured things. People always, well, God told me this, God told me that. Well, that's good. If he told you that, then it came from heaven. That makes sense? Then what that means is you have wisdom. Kind of like whenever Moses was leading the people 
of Israel, and they got to the Red Sea, then God said, raise the rod. He didn't say, go chop your way through or, you know, go rent a crane. Whatever. He said, speak. That was an oracle of God. And so Moses did, and the Red Sea parted. So his body that he's building, his church called his body, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, but his body is all about unity, coming together in unity, and we'll get that in a minute. So, you know, a church is not supposed to be controlled by a pastor or an apostle or anybody else. It's controlled by him. It's given to him by grace. I don't, control is probably a bad word, but what pastors, what men do is they try to control, all right? If you know the word, it's all about him, of course, and his body is called his church, and we'll look at that in a minute. We'll read these scriptures too. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We'll start there. I just want you to get a look at this important scripture. I did preach on this a little bit last night. We're going to expound a little bit more on it today. Sometimes preaching puts pressure on people's faith, especially when you don't understand the word. You feel pressured that you don't know enough or that you don't have enough or whatever. We need to understand the blood of Jesus covers us all. We can all have an access into heaven when we get to the mature place where we can receive it. That makes sense? So we need to receive it by understanding the word. Period. No matter what you're facing, spirit, soul, body, finance, or whatever. So here, this was God's original plan. Remember in chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. Well, that word Elohim is a plural word. So when he said, when God said, let us make man in our image, he had three attributes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they're all one. They're all one and the same. Hey, how you doing? Come on in, Miss Katie. I know. We're just getting started. We're getting cranked up. I know you guys were here last night. I'm kind of expounding a little bit on that. So let me get you up to date with us. Christ said, I'm going to build my church on earth as it is in heaven. All right? That's a very emphatic way of saying the, the, in grammar in the Greek language, the translation, on earth as it is in heaven, meaning heaven came first. Everything came created out of a heavenly sphere where God is seated, God the Father, all right? So very emphatic when Jesus said that in Matthew 6, verse 10, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will doesn't change. It never does. Then we get into the gifts and callings that we're going to say a little bit about before we really get started. In Ephesians 4, Jesus, Paul said, gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, some teachers. The word some in the Greek grammar is an emphatic word, meaning that not everybody gets that, but it's a gift. And that what that means is the person that he's working that gift through is going to answer for what they teach, all right? It's, it's not going to be, you know, well, you know, I think it's this, I think it's that. That's where you start getting in trouble when you start getting man's opinions and all that. That's where the word can help us if we now, the problem is when you get so entrenched in a doctrine or a theology that, you know, it overrules what God says. <laughs> That's why we have to understand what is he saying? What does he mean by that? So, 
<clears throat> his church is called his body, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. His body is called the church, and what Jesus is saying, I will build my church, is going to be his body, we'll see in Colossians, but it's all about unity. Jesus wants to build a church with unity. That's where man starts to begin to try to put on a hat that don't belong to him, try to control, you know. Oh, yeah, I don't care how good you can preach, how good I can teach, whatever. Jesus is in charge. He's the one that says the direction the church is going to go. And man needs to be able to hear him direct his church, his body, in unity, all together. And so when you get disunity, automatically that lets you know that something's out of, out of balance, something's not right. So we're going to Genesis 2, verse 7. And that's where we started when you was coming in. So now we're all up to speed on it. I think this is such an important message to really understand, and we'll get to that in a minute. And it says, And the Lord God formed, framed, formed, man of the dust of the ground. So we see in the earth coming into view. Let us make man in our image. The Father... God's the Father, God's the Son, God's the Holy Spirit. Man is not, all right? So our image, Elohim, is anytime you put im, I am on the end of a Hebrew word, it's a plural. It makes it plural. You know, it'd be like saying God's. But he didn't say God's because they're not separate. They're all one, but they're having three different functions. So what happens is he functions as a father, he functions as a son on earth, and he functions as the Holy Spirit to do things, all right? So he's, he does all three of those. So he said, let us make man in our image, giving to us the understanding. He has a purpose for creating man. So in chapter 2, verse 7, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. What a powerful revelation when you understand the dynamic of what was written. Now, we have to understand that's why I'm doing the grammar part of it so we can better understand. So a lot of people, uh, as I was saying, you know, they have a theology based on what they think is right. It sounds good. It's a great idea. It really impresses people. You get goosebumps. You're walking like you're walking on air. But, you know, in reality, if you're walking on air... <laughs> Come on now. We'll, we'll get that in a minute, but we'll get back to that. But, but watch this. God formed man. The word formed is the word yatsar. That's God's original plan for his design for creating an earth being. So he created from the dust of the ground an earth being and breathed in him. Now I'm going to say what the Greek word is. It's emphasao. What word do you think comes out of emphasao in English? Emphasao, emphasis, emphasis. That's where we get emphasis. When God wants to emphasize something, he does it through his spirit, in our spirit. And we get into all the theology of it later, but, but emphasao means God breathed into him. Now, where'd that come from? Well, that's in the Septuagint. And the Septuagint is all the Hebrew turned into Greek, and that's the same exact word you find in John chapter 20, we talked about last night kind of briefly. We'll get that in a minute. But first of all, God formed him. God had to make a vessel out of the earth 
dust of the earth, the dirt of the earth, and then breathe into that. Now, <clears throat> the best part, way to understand that is when God created Adam and took Eve from his side, when he created Adam, his original plan had to be incorporated. So it was a spirit of man. He wasn't a physical being yet. He had a spirit. Then he formed a body for that man. Like we have a body or we have a spirit. You get it? And so, but that spirit without the breath of God is separated. It's dead. Just don't have any, any connection. I don't care if you say I'm a Christian, I'm born again, live like it. You don't do that overnight. That's a process. But we're going to look at, as we move through this, when God breathed into him, man became a living soul, spirit, all right? So the body now, when God formed it around that spirit of Adam, all right, it had no life in it. It had it, The heart wasn't beating. The lungs wasn't breathing. The, you know, nothing was working. The blood wasn't flowing. All of that had to be, you know, that was all potentially there. When God breathed into him, his spirit man came alive and so did his body. They were one. Are you with me? I'm trying not to confuse you. I mean, it, it's not really a deep subject, but it is a theological thing we need to understand. When God breathed into that dirt, the soul of man came alive. So now the soul and body were one. Why do we separate them? Why do we think that when I speak the name of Jesus over my physical body, if I need healing or whatever, I need something in the natural. Why do I think it's, it's a way, and I don't have it. I mean, we have to understand how faith works. When you speak it believing, your body's going to respond. Spirit, soul, body, financially, whatever you need on earth. The key is on earth. God's will on earth as it is in heaven, all right? So I have a physical earth body, but I have a born-again spirit, all right? So I have to have the gift or the anointing for that spirit to work through that vessel, whoever it is. And so I'm responsible for the gift. It's not mine. It's his. Are you with me? I don't own it. I don't control it. He does. It's his gift. So he chose a vessel, whoever that is, thousands, millions out there, whoever, that say I have a, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher, whatever. Okay, well then let's. Let's, I want to be there, you know, because that gift is going to display heaven's will. Are you with me? Not man's will, not how great, a, not many books you wrote or any of that. That's all, that can be, it can happen if God chooses to do that. So God formed man, so he made a body out of dirt. <clears throat> that dirt needed a soul that was alive. That makes sense? When God breathed into that dirt, the spirit now entered that body and it became alive, all one. Spirit, soul, body, financially, all that one. It's all one and the same. And that's, that's the whole thing about this whole message we're doing this morning. We're expounding on something. Now, go with me to John chapter 20. If you were here last night, you heard this. But it was a little bit kind of rushed through last night, and that's just typical. 
In the Greek grammar, it's important to understand on earth as it is in heaven. Notice he didn't say in heaven as it is on earth. Earth wasn't created first. Heaven was. Everything for the believer comes from heaven through the word, through the anointing. When we call ourselves a Christian, that means that we are one that can receive the truth and begin to manifest that. All right? You just need to know it. need to know the truth. So we go to John chapter 20. And, of course, we're going to see something here and make a little bit more emphasis on it this morning. <clears throat> Christ has already been to the cross. He's already paid the price. We'll talk about that Sunday morning, paid in full. He established something on the earth that heaven wants to manifest in Christ, in his word. So when we understand the word as it is the truth, not just my version of it, it's the truth. I have a right to believe that and to go towards that. Now, here we're going to see the disciples that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. He's resurrected now. And he comes up to them. All right? They are born again. Now watch what happens. And when Jesus, when he had said this, he breathed on them. That word breathe is the same word, emphasize. He wants to emphasize something. Man without the spirit can't emphasize anything. We can emphasize it. We can preach it good. We can teach it good. But you need to know what that word means. The word emphasize is the same word in, when you have the, that came from the Septuagint. I looked it up in the Septuagint. When God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, here these born again Believers, that makes sense to you? Now, they believe that Jesus, that's why they're with him. I mean, they came looking for him, and they found him. He's resurrected. Can you imagine? Wow, he's, he's, whoo, he died three days ago. Here he is. I mean, but remember, some of them didn't recognize him. Your mind gets involved. You're like, oh, man, that can't be him. That can't be him. Have you ever been there? He can't, he couldn't have said that. He didn't mean that, did he? When your born-again spirit picks up on the truth, then you're ready. And you need to all say ready. See, you don't come into this world and be born again and know everything. You just know the one that does. That's Jesus Christ, the creator. We'll get to that in a minute. I just, I want, I'm trying to take my time to go through it properly. So the word breathed in the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament, all translated into Greek, all right? <clears throat> the word in Genesis 2, 7, and God breathed into him, he became a living soul. Watch what happens in this verse. They're born again, but for them to walk by peace and walk by truth, they're going to have to have the witness of heaven. See, we can preach with no witness, and it doesn't mean anything. Sarah, like we were talking about a while ago, hey, I want to give my testimony. I mean, well, that's good. Your biggest testimony is I'm born again. That's, that's who I am. That don't mean I'm him. That means I'm a Christian. That means I have potential to receive truth and begin to live it and witness it. When he said, peace be unto you, 
My father has sent me even so I send you. Wow. Woo. But he said, I'm not sending you without something that you need. And he breathed on them. Same word, emphasao. Same word you had back in Genesis 2. He breathed on them and saith, receive ye the Holy Ghost. The word receive is the word lambano, and that means take advantage of it right now. I'm giving it to you. Grab hold of it. Don't let it go. I mean, hold on to it for dear life, so to speak. I mean, it's so important. Receive you the Holy Ghost. The word Holy Ghost is the word hegias and then pneumata, which means you're going to speak holy words. Yes, ma'am. They did. Remember, they come to later on, Thomas says, oh, I won't believe unless I can actually see the scars. I mean, we get that, that mindset. You know, I, I need to see healing in order to believe. I need to see. If we have that mindset, we're never going to see it in the natural. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian, right? Doesn't mean Thomas was, you know, a bad guy. Thomas just said, I have to see it to believe it. My mama lived her way. She died at 98. She lived that way all of her life. My mama was taught back then. She was born in 1920. And back then, she was in the Catholic Church because the South is all about the Catholicism, you know, all that. My mama was taught that Jesus was born through Mary's paps. I said, Mom, I mean, I understand, but I don't believe that nobody would have paps that big. To carry a baby. Oh, yeah. That's what she believed, really believed. So one day, I'm in Bible college, and I'm trying to learn my, you know, I want to develop a gift that God's given me. And, of course, it's still being developed. You all know that. But back then, I felt like, you know, it was prophesied, you know, you're called to be a pastor, you know. And if I'm going to pastor, I need to know how to do that. Somehow, something in me knew I can't do it without him, without Christ. And so... I didn't know where that was in scripture, but I just kind of had some feeling in my heart. And then I had a mentor that for 22 years taught me that over and over again. So, so I got to my mom's house and I bought her a one-year Bible. Now, remember, she's Catholic all her life. I said, I want you to read this every day. Because she's like, well, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand. See, to know something, you have to understand. When you don't understand what's being said... All right, I don't care whether you tell me healing is he heals today or doesn't. You have to understand it's by the healing itself that he does, that comes from him. That's what makes it real, right? Not just a doctrine. So I bought her that one year Bible. I gave it to her. She started reading it and she said, Rah. I said, What, mom? She said, What you're talking about being saved? I've read it in that scripture. I said, Yeah, mom. I, I didn't say it. I mean, Jesus did. I mean, not just my doctrine. That's what the word says. You must be born again. Well, why do people argue? I said, I don't know why people argue over it. I mean, they have their own theology, whatever. So then one day, she got to the point where it talks about Jesus' brothers and sisters who the, their father was Mary and Joseph, but not the father, not the Holy Spirit. And so you know how that happened, our theology. You know, the angel said, Mary, you know, you're highly favored and you're chosen and how am I going to be pregnant? I've never had a man. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Remember all that? The angel told her that. The angel was a messenger. is a messenger angel. 
And then she got pregnant, and she just went through the... Jesus was born through the natural process like everybody else, the body. She stayed pregnant for nine months, and then she had the baby, blah, blah, blah. And so she saw that, and she said, well, he didn't have no brothers and sisters. I said, yes, he did. On the earth, he did. Mary and Joseph had other kids. Oh, I don't believe that. So I got her Bible, her big Catholic Bible. It's about that thick and about... You can't, you can't haul it in your pickup truck. And I mean, so I opened it up, that same verse, and I said, here, read your Bible. I never heard that. I said, I don't, whether you heard it or not is not the point. I don't believe it. Even though the Word said it, your Bible says it, the one-year Bible says it, every Bible says it, if, unless they took it out. So I don't believe it. I said, well, Mom, I tell you what, I'm going to call around and find a priest, all right? And so I called different churches, you know, and you never could talk to the priest. And finally I got one, and I said, can I talk to the priest, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes, he's here. And I said, she, I said who is this? I said, my name's Rocky B. He said, I said, I'm in Bible college learning the Bible, and I have some questions for him. My mom was confused, and, and I don't know how to communicate this to her properly. And she said, oh, I'll get it. Oh, he got this priest. I mean, Sacred Heart right there in Baton Rouge. And big church, big Catholic church. She got to, well, I forget what his name was, and he got on the phone. I said, sir, my name's Rocky Bezet, and I said, I'm in, I'm in Bible college, and I'm trying to explain to my mom and what, what this says, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I went through the whole thing and said, oh, yeah, he had other kids. I mean, Mary and Joseph did, but, but Jesus, his father, is the heavenly father. I said, okay, can you explain that to her? Well, my mom had been taught immaculate conception means she was eternally a virgin. That's why she was... Jesus was born through her path, through her breast. Uh, you see where I'm going with this? I mean, that theology stuck with her all of her life. She developed a, a belief that unless I see it, I will not believe it. I said, Mom, you're not going to see his sisters and his brothers except for James. He was the half-brother of Jesus. But you're not going to see them. They were, they've, they've already lived their lifespan out, and they, they've gone on to glory. I don't believe it. So one day, now this kind of fast forward, my mom, her, both of her shoulder sockets were wore out. She couldn't lift her arms. She couldn't even feed herself. And um, one day, I could see her trying to, she was fighting to try to, it gets, got worse. I said, Mom, the Lord Jesus will heal that shoulder, both of them shoulders right now. But we have to do it his way. We're, I'm just part of his body, and you are too. I said, Mom, do you believe Jesus Christ suffered and died for your sins? And that's the Catholic doctrine all through it. They confess it every week. Well, yes, I do. I said, okay, then let's just say that now when we speak his word and lay hands on your shoulders, then he's going to do his work. I won't. It's not me. It's about, but we're called to lay hands. I said, Mom, can I lay hands on you? Well, yes, son. Yeah. I said, okay. And I laid hands on her, prayed in Jesus' name. Instantly, her shoulders were both healed. Instantly. She's like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, look. look. And I'm like, yeah, it's something to get excited about, isn't it, Mom? So now you're seeing it. You don't see him, but you see him manifesting his word that we just, all we did. She held on to that for, I'm going to guess, about two weeks. And then probably two weeks later, she's back in that same old thing. You still have to hold on to it. You have to hold on. You have to receive. So the word, receive ye the Holy Ghost, Holy is the word hagios, and pneumata is the word spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so he said, you're going to speak holy words, right? 
Does that make sense to you? Ramata means you're going to speak. Rama, Rama, Ramata means in Greek, holy words. When you're speaking the word of God, it's holy. Nothing on this earth, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl can speak with that kind of power. But when you get filled with the Spirit and you pray in tongues, you have to understand you're praying a language you don't pray on earth. You're praying a holy language. That's why he helpeth your infirmity because he can and he does. But we have to receive it. We have to grab hold of it. And I remember, I won't go into all that. I did a little bit of that last night, kind of took up my time. But, but the point being, we have to receive it. I have to believe it in my heart. I'm, it's like my, my spirit has hands, and it does. We'll get into that another time. Where's your glorified body? Where was Adam's glorified body? I'm just kind of throwing you a little word twist here, understanding Greek grammar. When Paul said in Thessalonians, he said, you'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. How's that happen? Your body falls out and go back to dirt and all that, or, or does something else happen? Your glorified body is your born-again spirit. In the twinkling of an eye, all of a sudden, the way Adam was created, listen to me now, before God gave him a body, when God breathed in him, he was covered by the anointing. That's the way he was created. When he sinned, he was spiritually dead. Okay, so he still had a body, but he had to be born again, and all that is how we're going towards this direction. So if you understand what I'm saying, don't get confused. So in the twinkling of an eye, your spirit man now becomes your covering. Not only in you, now it comes on you. Does that make sense? You cannot go to heaven in this body. You have to have a covering. That goes back to, in the Greek grammar, when, when we see that in John, when Jesus walked through the door, his glorified body, are you with me? His resurrection body. I mean, your spiritual body has does things your physical body can't do without him. Does that make sense to you? I mean, you're covered by that spiritual being. Now, it's already in you. It's already there. Does that make sense? You're born again. It's in there. That's your glorified body. Now your body comes to life. When you have the Holy Spirit, he breathes on you again. You become a living soul. What the devil tries to keep you from doing is becoming a living soul. He'll try to steal by using the natural when on the inside you got the spirit. Yeah. But we don't give the spirit time to work if it doesn't happen in my time frame. And, you know, I'm going to believe something else. My mom believed that for 98 years. That's that's sad, but it happens. You got people in church that have doctrine that they just, they, they believe it's true. No proof of it. They just believe it's true. I believe. Well, is the blood of Jesus enough for you to believe in your forgiveness? And now you have grace. You didn't get that because you're so smart. You got it by grace. And you can live it out by faith. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get confusing, y'all, if I don't get on to the next thing. Receive is the word lumbano, which means take, take hold of firmly and aggressively. You have to be aggressive with the word, all right? You're not telling Jesus what to do. You're receiving his power, resurrection power. Then we go to Hebrews. Now we're going to kind of go on with the outline. <clears throat> See, what, what, what this is, the reason I'm showing you these words 
not just to be smart or try to impress anybody. We need to understand these are holy words. They're holy. They are absolutely not. I mean, I've said it before in preaching. I don't know if I confuse people or not, but it's been years ago. I said, what man would have wrote, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church? What man would have done that? No man. No. I'm Adam. You're Eve. Yeah, you know. We put the woman out of place when we try to lord over her. When we're not in submission, we get in disunity. Same thing happened in the church. Same thing. We have to learn to trust. Jody and I have been married 40 years. And there's, there's sometimes we get into a disagreement about whatever the case may be. And, and she's like, you don't even love me. I said, oh, yeah, I love you. But I ain't going that direction with you. I'm, that's not what I'm going to do. I said, now, you ain't got to follow me, but I'm telling you. Now, I remember when she had, in, in the natural, she had these lumps that appeared in her breast. Well, you know, we were praying over her. She, she never, from that day forward, once she found them, she never, never acknowledged them again when she took a bath, a shower, whatever. And so, but, you know, I mean, I would want to check. Did God do it? So for four months, four months, I finally, I said, baby, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into fear. You're my wife, and I don't want to lose you, and I hear all the reports of what can happen and blah, blah, blah. And I said, so I need proof. She said, well, Jesus is proof. I said, I, I know, but, and I do believe that, but, but the natural right now is not telling me he proved anything. She said, do you believe with me? I said, yes, indeed. She said, leave me alone. I said, okay, I'm not going to the doctor. Okay, and that, you don't have to not go to the doctor. You don't have to do that, but she chose that. When she did that, when we had that dis discussion, within a week, it was all gone. Same thing happened with my daughter. Now, I didn't check my daughter, but, but she did, went to, we took her to the doctor, and they, they acknowledged that it was something there because she had felt it, whatever. And, and so my daughter and I, she was 15 at the time. We laid on my trampoline out in my backyard and cried. I cried like a baby. I said, baby, you... You're healed. I mean, I don't understand it, but I know you are because the word says so. And within, we took her back. They made an appointment, but two weeks later, they were all gone. It's an amazing thing how the word will work. We have to let him work it. We have to form it so he can fill it. That's the process. All the way back in Genesis. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, <clears throat> Verse 3, now remember, we, we're kind of focused on Christ building his church. We're focused on when Christ breathes on you, when you have the Holy Spirit, the word, there again, hagias ramata, means holy words. You're speaking holy words, not just tongues, not just tongues, holy words. But when you don't know what to do, praying in the Spirit you're, you have to understand you're praying a heavenly language. He knows exactly how to pray for you. All right? Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory, talking about Jesus, the Son, and the express image of his person, and holding all things by the word of his power. That's what's called a genitive. The word word is the genitive. The word of his power, that's the nominative. Meaning, anytime you have a genitive, it's looking for a nominative. It's looking for the subject. 
power is a subject. Upholding all things by the word, the genitive of his power, meaning genitive owns the power. He, the son, owns the power of his power. And then you better understand that by looking at, like, you know, we see stars, you know, every night. If you go out and look at the stars, if you're a stargazer, they're in the same place every night, you know. When God spoke men to existence, he knows their names. You can't even count them. He knows who they are, their names, and they do not move. Why? Because the enemy cannot touch what's God's will. On the earth, we need to learn God's will. All right? How do we do that? Through the word. Am I making sense to you? Never feel like you don't have enough faith. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord, you have all you need because he has the power. But he's the express image, the word express is a Greek word in grammar, character, which we get the word character from. So you haven't seen God, but you've seen and read of what Jesus does. You've seen the character of God. That's the word character. means an impression, a representation, an exact reproduction. God manifests himself exactly in Christ Jesus. The word image is the word hypostasis. The word hypostasis, you've probably seen it if you've studied the Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is a substance. That's the word hypostasis. Faith is a substance. The hypostasis is the Greek word that means standing upon. Faith stands upon that truth. It's my foundation. It's what I stand on. I mean, you know, I believe him, and I'm standing on what his promise is. I'm standing on his word. And I'm not moving off that. I know, I, mean, I know people that have, they've thrown their Bible on the floor and stood on their Bible. I'm standing on the word. <laughs> that, if that, I mean, you can do that, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it works for them. But anyway, you get the meaning. Hypostasis is the word image. So we're standing on the image of Christ Jesus. Are you with me? That's the image I'm standing on. He's the express image of the Father. No difference. Zero difference between the Father and the Son. And the believer, there's zero difference between his word and you. All right? So the worlds were framed in verse 3, Hebrews 11, verse 3. Just kind of staying with that flow of it. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is a substance, that's that word hypostasis, of things hoped for. The word hoped is elpis. It means an expectation of what the word says. The evidence of things not come. Well, faith is the evidence because faith is based on his word, all right? <clears throat> By it, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3, through faith. Remember how you saved? By grace, through faith. Same structure grammatically. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. How does he uphold everything? Upholding all things by word of his power. Word of his power. So here we see the words were framed. Guess what word that word framed is? And God formed man of the dust of the ground. Same word. 
formed, framed, all one and the same. Same implication, same meaning. So when God formed Adam a body and breathed into him, that dirt mound became a living soul. Right then. When God breathes on you, emphasize, oh, he's emphasizing something. Tongues is not a religious thing. It's a heavenly thing. It's a heavenly language. We've made it a religious thing. Well, I'm a Pentecostal. Okay, well, what does that mean? Show me. You know, I mean, I've had people tell me, well, pray in tongues for me. I'm like, I don't have to impress you. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I mean, all you want to do is argue. Now, with that being said, my cousin, who is not born again, but been in church, been in a Pentecostal church, or been in Bethany, actually, and he could, he could make sounds that sounded just like praying in tongues. I mean, I'm telling you, when I tell you exact, he was just repeating, and he could do it. And I'm, I'll never forget that, the, the confusion I had when he did that. I'm like, I said, well, you're born again? He said, no, I ain't born again. I said, what? Are you with me? See, a human can emulate that, but that don't mean it's heavenly. That means it's holy. What makes it holy is the spirit. All right? <clears throat> so the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word worlds is the word aeon, aeon or ion, which means a span of time, a space of time, a span of time, an age characterized by specific qualities. The worlds are framed by the word. Guess what word word is? Rhema. When you put Ramata on it, it's holy. Are you with me? Your spirit will speak a heavenly language in English as well as tongues. Pray in tongues when you don't understand what's going on, but Speak the word of God by whatever you believe in English. I pray in tongues, yes, no doubt. But here, <clears throat> the word the worlds were framed, that means a space of time, an age, characterized by a specific quality. Well, where do you think that is going to fix itself to? His church on earth. He's doing something. We need to understand that. So the world, uh, the world we're framed is characterized by a specific quality. So every time the church learns his holy word, and every word, when you have it translated, it's translated from the original Hebrew and Greek and you know all that. But, but when you convert it, when you understand what you're saying, you are speaking a holy word. Wow. That takes all the pressure off of me anyway. Hopefully I'm helping you too. Framed, that word, like I said, the same word, framed, formed, up there in Genesis 2, verse 7, same word, means katarizo, katarizo, framed, means to complete, to prepare, kata means down from, Artios means properly adjusted. When the world out there is speaking a worldly language, and you may be religious, whatever, but still a worldly 
you have to understand, good ideas, the world can come up with all kind of translations and emphasis, whatever. But his word is holy. Kata means down from. Katizo is that word that means adjusted. I'm adjusting the way I think to the word of God. I just need to know the word. I need to, I mean, does God heal sometimes, all the time? No. See, that's what faith says. He's already done it. See, that's what takes the pressure off. It's like, he's not going to do it. He's already done it. I won't get it when I get to heaven. I get it on earth. Does that make sense to you? I mean, we have a heavenly, holy word. That's that word. Ortizo. So, cata down from, coupled with ortizo, ortizo. What that word means is well-adjusted. When you adjust to the word of God and not try to get God to adjust to yours, makes all the difference. You put his word first. Doesn't that, the Bible say that? Put his word first. Put his word first. You know, you're snared by the words of your mouth. Didn't he say that? I mean, you'll put yourself in a snare. The devil don't have to do it. You're doing it with your words. That's why we're doing the class like this because, you know, not, not for that you, I'm not trying to teach you Greek and Hebrew. You need to understand how they work. They're, they're very specific languages. The word Hebrew language was very poetic. It left more room for interpretation. The Greek word is no room for interpretation. It's either exact or it's not. So when they did the Septuagint, they translated all the Hebrew into Greek. Well, when I went to school, that's when they were teaching us translation, the whole fifth year that I was in LSU, now LSU is not a, a seminary or whatever, not a Bible college, just teaching language. And they would teach us how, why do you use this Hebrew word, why do you use this word in Greek to indicate that word in Hebrew? Are you with me? So Hebrew is a very poetic language. It doesn't have the same tenses in grammar as Greek does. So when, like for instance, in Greek you would have seven definitions possible for one verb in three paradigms. That means 21, guys. In Hebrew, you have four, period. So how do you take a language that has four possible translations into one that has a possible 21? There are laws that govern how to translate. Are you with me? You don't have to learn all that. Now, the reason I'm telling you that, you don't have to learn all that. But you have to learn that that's how you translate. So I'm teaching you these translated words, the words they're taken from, when how do they fit in the grammar of that language. That's all we're doing. Very important. To me, it is. Words were framed. And that word frame, cartizo, <clears throat> is that word, cater, artias, combined, well-adjusted. I have to adjust what I'm saying to what God says. When it's in Greek grammar, they have a, a verb tense that we don't have in English called middle voice. We have the, of course, the passive voice. We have the, we have the, the beginning. We have the end. We don't have middle. Middle is a word that is always used in, in the Greek grammar that means when he says it, I'm saying, when I'm saying it's because he said it first. I'm adjusting. Does that make sense to you? Now, 
I don't do this on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night because you talk about confuse everybody. See, you can ask questions if you don't understand. I don't know everything, and you know that, and I would never try to deceive you with that thinking. But these words are so specific. They're holy. And I don't have a right to change their meaning or their intention. So, so when, when we were translating in the whole fifth year that I was there, all, for that whole year, all right, we were using the Septuagint, which is all the Greek from the Hebrew, translating the Greek. Then we're learning Greek. That's what I, that was what my major was and what my doctorate was, was Greek. So, you know, in order to learn the Septuagint and use it properly, what words are they translating it from? So I'll take, I have a, uh, it's called a Hebraic Bible, which is the, all the Hebrew. And you look at how the Hebrew said this word is this. Then you go to the Septuagint and say, what word is it in Greek? And how do they compare? And there's ways you can do that. Uh, and that makes, I'm just kind of cutting it short, but not trying to just, I'm wanting to tell you these words are holy. I don't have a right to supplement an opinion or a thinking or whatever. These are the words. That's what they're for. So let's go and got a few more minutes. Go to John 10.10. 10. <clears throat> and Jesus points out there's going to be those that are calling themselves shepherd pastors, but they're not. They're not called to do that. They just, they want to do that whatever. And that, that gets dangerous, you know. Um, it just does. I mean, I want to go into, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. That's up to them to do what they want to. But I know right now, right now in this area, there's a class going on. And it's at Bethany, but it's not a Bethany class. It's a Presbyterian class. Are you with me? That's who did it. That's who's doing it. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. So, but in hireling, it's not the shepherd whose own sheep or not. Hmm. Seeing the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep and fleeth as it, so the wolf doesn't catch them. Now, verse 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Wow. How do you do that? The thief steals the word. When you have the word, he says, I'm not going to let that happen because if you have God's word from heaven and you understand it, he's finished. But if you give to your own mind and in your own interpretation, whatever, it, it just vacillates. All right? Steal, kill, and destroy. The word kill is the word thuo. Thuo is a word that simply means you become a living sacrifice. The devil wants you to be his image. That's what he wants. He wants to put you on this. I'm a Christian, but. And he does that with the word. And then destroys the word apolumi. That's a compounded word also. It means to cut off completely. Once you start believing a lie and believing a lie and trying to philosophize that lie, you get further into being cut off. Not cut off from grace, cut off from the truth. All he's doing. And then he said, but I have come. He said, I don't come and go like a thief does. The thief only comes when you start speaking the true word, the truth. Because he says, a demon, a devil, whatever, 
<clears throat> he said, I am come, present tense, to give you life and life more abundantly. The word that strengthens the word abundantly is the word more. All right? More abundantly. He said, yeah, my word, you may, you may need my divine healing, not just my healing doctrine. You need my divine healing. You need my divine provision. You need my divine protection. Yes, my doctrine says this, but my divine will takes you into a whole other realm. Are you with me? It takes you out of the human aspect into the born-again aspect. More abundantly. Persisos, persisos, parisos. So what that word means is greater in excess, exceeding any expectation. Experience divine life, divine health, divine blessing. Then we go back to where we all started from. Matthew chapter 16. Starting in verse 18, once Peter, Simon Barjona, Peter became Peter when he acknowledged you are the Christ. All right? Now, he wasn't born again yet, but Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. The word blessed there is the word empowered to prosper, anointed to win, impossible to curse. Blessed. When you're blessed and you have the word, it's impossible to curse the word. Impossible. Period. Simon bore John for flesh and blood had not revealed it to thee. So you cannot, flesh and blood doesn't determine whether he is speaking the truth. Flesh and blood has to submit to the truth, has to be in unity. But my Father, which is in heaven, and I say unto thee, to the one that had that revelation of him, that thou art Peter. The word Peter is the word Petros, and upon this rock, which is Petra. So think about it like this. Petra is a massive connected rock. As the church grows in the revelation of Christ, the church gets bigger. Not necessarily a number of the people upon this rock. He said, I'm going to put you on the foundation, which I am the foundation. And I'm going to, and those that believe, I'm going to keep adding them like a foundation, like concrete. All right? It's a foundation. Before you can build a house outwardly, you have to have a good foundation. You know that. I will build. The anointing is seeking. I will. All right. When you know who I am, I will build. You're part of the construction process. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. <clears throat> the word prevail is kataskuo. Kata, again, means down from. Eskuo means strength. Kata means down from, strength from above. Strength from above. Strength of the word is the heavenly, the Father, the, the Holy Spirit. That makes sense to you? That just kind of really, we're just really looking at the words themselves and the grammar of them. Kataskuo, kata means down from. Eskuo means to have power over because you have the power of heaven. Peter, a small stone, Petrus. Upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. He's the rock. He's the foundation. His word is the foundation. When you have revelation of it, not just meaning I understand the doctrine, I live it by experience. We can all do that. 
Then we go to Matthew 4.17. Jesus' first message after he defeated the devil, those three temptations, what is a temptation? It means to draw away from. The devil's trying to draw him away. He's the son of God, but on the earth, the devil says, this is my earth. And Jesus says, no, I'm the one that created it. Wow. So Jesus' first message after he restores, he's now been fed. He's had angels ministering to him just like you would. You'll always have men, whether you see them or not, they're there. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, now, the word repent is more metanoete. Meta means with, noan, noete, with a change of mind. Your mind is changed. You're adjusting to the heavenly language. You're adjusting to what he said. And if he said I'm forgiven, devil, you're not going to convince me that I'm not forgiven of my past. I am forgiven. Now, if I'm still doing it, I better repent, right? That repentance doesn't dismiss from the Bible. It's always there. It's a word, an eternal word. You can always repent. So you can use the devil's deception and say, I've already repented of that, or I will repent. If I know I haven't, I can't. That's all he's saying. That the kingdom of heaven is right there. It's not out there. It's not eons away. It's at the length of your arm, right there, waiting on you to manifest his word, to change one's mind and purpose. And John 14, 3, Jesus said, if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That word lambano we talked about a while ago, this is paralambano. It's a combination word. Para means alongside. Lambano means hope. He said, because I'm giving it to you, you latch hold of it because I'm right here. You're not doing this by yourself. He said, I will build my church. Not you, Rocky. You're not the anointed one. I am. But I chose you to be a gift. And I will judge you according to what I'm telling you you better do. So, now, when he said, I will build my church, now we're looking at that verse of Scripture. <clears throat> Upon this rock is a word that means, uh, Petra means connected rock. It's signifying unity. You're in unity with me and each other. So when, whatever you ask for in prayer, I will do. Will any two of you agree to touching anything? I mean, those words are all grammatically structured to give unity. That's what they do. So we're going to now kind of go back to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Before I do, I'm, well, yeah, let me read both of these scriptures. You got time? I kind of kind of got a little preachy too much with it. But I want to really put the emphasis on them in the right way. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, He, Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. Notice he didn't say some teachers. They're all inclined to teach. Every gift is inclined to teach. But some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, the word some is that word to put emphasis, emphasis. 
Remember, remember emphasis, emphasize. He's emphasizing what his gift is going to do. What is his gift going to do? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting is a Greek word, equipping the saints. So the saints can do the work of the ministry for the edifying or building up the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's the goal. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. He said, when you know the word, you won't be deceived by any wind of doctrine. When you know the truth, then, then you're going to know, like we said a while ago, and I don't judge this person, but that lady that's teaching the theology of, of the period, that's not scriptural at all, and nothing scriptural about it. But it's being taught. That's why I told that guy, go to your pastor. He's the one. If he okays it, then that's his business. I mean, he's going to answer for it, you know, not her. If he's allowing her to teach something that erroneous, that heresy, he's going to answer. Not her. He's allowing her to do it. Now, that's not a control thing. That's a wisdom thing. So I want to close with Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 kind of put an emphasis on this whole teaching this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Well, I'll tell you what, we got, it's only one minute after 11. Let's go to verse 16 real quick. For by him, talking about Jesus, were all things created. Now, all things is all things. Earth, stars, moon, you, me, all right? He's a creator. He knows how it works. That are in heaven and that are in earth, visible or invisible, whether it be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. In verse 17, and he is before all things and is, and by him all things consists or exists by his word. In verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Wow. That's why I put this up here. His church on earth, his body. And it has to, the body has to have accurate understanding of what he's doing and what he said because he is the head of the body the church, who he, Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that all things might have the preeminence. Everything he said had preeminence. You know what that word means? First place. What he says goes. What you say, what he said, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perform that. I'm going to manifest that. The church has got to get my opinion now. This is, this is me. My opinion is the church has to be taught the proper way to approach his holiness. And that's through his word. Through his word. Not just baptism of the Holy Spirit, through his word, which is holy. When you speak it, it's holy. So we're praying in the Holy Ghost, and I love to do that every day I do for hours. I'm not saying how long, it doesn't matter, because it doesn't matter how long I pray, how long you pray, that's what matters. But it's a holy language. It's heavenly. You don't even understand what it says, but he does. 
He'll give you the utterance. That's the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to speak his word when you accurately know what it means. Any questions?